The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not, but afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, yes, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, the first. Jesus said to them, amen, I say to you, Tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe in him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We don't know who's the older, the first, or the second son. But I'm going to assume that the first was the older of the two. And also, we are never given the reaction of the father to either of the sons. In that short story that Jesus tells us, very powerfully, He invites us to listen to this story with some specific type of eyes, the tale of the two sons. And really, as you listen to this short little story, it sounds like a typical family, doesn't it? I mean, the dad goes to the first son and tells him to get up and get to work. And that wasn't just a suggestion. (laughs) Oh, no. It was a command. But what did the son do? He refused. He says, no. No, I won't. I won't go and work in that stinking hot vineyard today. I have other plans. We're not told what the father did or said at that moment to the first son. But what we are told is that he went to the second son, whom I'm assuming now is the younger one, and he tells him the same thing, get up and go to work. Well, he immediately responds, yes, sir, right away. But then, what happens? Well, he didn't get up. He just continued to sit on that couch playing Fortnite on Xbox. The twist of the story is that the older brother ends up thinking about what he said and what he didn't do and changes his mind and goes to work while the younger brother, who said, yeah, sure, I will, is found on the couch playing video games. 
And Jesus says, so what's your opinion? Who did the will of the Father? By asking this question, he's not only inviting the audience back then listening to him, but we who are his audience this evening into the life of this parable. Well, who did the will of the Father? It's obvious, right? I mean, the answer is just simply obvious. It was obvious back then. It's obvious today. The right answer is the first son. Yeah. He said no, but changed his mind. Well, is the answer as obvious as it appears? In his book, uh, it's called Joining Jesus on His Mission. In fact, this book and this study is what we're doing uh, for the next several weeks as a congregation. Fantastic book, really, really good, very, very good, very insightful. And the writer, uh, Pastor Greg uh, Finke, who is a Missouri Synod Lutheran pastor, he writes this, it's not what you know that will change the world, but what you do with what you know that will change the world. Wow. What you do, not just what you know. I mean, the, let's put it this way. The second son, he wised up. He heard what happened with his father and his older brother, and he just told dad what? What dad wanted to hear. Yes, sir. You know, interesting, the Greek for sir is actually kyrie. Kyrie. Sound familiar? <laughs> kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. Yes, Lord. Well, you and I know talk is cheap, isn't it? Talk is really cheap. And I got to tell you, religious talk is even cheaper, okay? It really, really is. The only problem is that religious people don't always necessarily realize how cheap religious talk is. To those around Jesus, and listen, they were some of the most religious people around. I mean, they were the elders, you know, they were like the pastors, the priests, uh, the hierarchy of the Jewish temple, the Pharisees, these kind of people, the rabbis. They all gave the right answer, but Jesus, what does he do? Well, he becomes very abrupt with them and actually abrasively remarks with these words. He says, listen up. I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering God's kingdom before you. When John the Baptist came to you proclaiming the truth, you didn't believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes did. Even then, when you saw their lives change, you didn't change your minds and believe Him. <laughs> what these uh, religious folk experienced what was called religious self-deception. They were really preoccupied with themselves and what they thought was right and their lives. And, you know, when they would juxtaposition their life next to a tax collector or a harlot, a lady of the evening, I mean, was there any comparison? No. 
done. Remember, Jesus told another parable like that. What was the, the Pharisee and what? The tax collector, all right? Yeah, no. You see, they knew the right answers. But they never saw themselves in this story. You see, in reality, both of the sons in their own way said no. But one changed his mind. Tax collectors and prostitutes, their lives were being changed, Jesus said, because of the Word of God that John was preaching. In fact, that Word of God pierced their hearts, and they were publicly confessing their sins in front of all these people, the religious people included, and they were being baptized by John in the Jordan River. But there on the banks of the Jordan River, there were all those religious folk, and they never even saw their need to change their lives. In fact, they didn't even rejoice that the prostitutes and tax collectors were changing their lives. Remember how upset they got when Jesus would go and have a dinner with who? The tax collectors and prostitutes. Did they rejoice that lives were being changed? No, because they didn't think their life needed to be changed. I mean, let's face it. If you lived in a little town in Galilee, and you were the public tax collector, or you were the local prostitute, your life was a poster. You were a poster child for being a sinner. Everyone knew that you were notorious, and your life was objectionable. You were stained and dirty and irredeemable. It didn't matter what you said. You were just too obvious. Remember that powerful story told in John chapter 8? The story of the woman caught in the act of committing adultery? <laughs> Her sins were pretty obvious, more obvious than all of those sins of people around her willing to stone her. And remember what Jesus said? The one without sin, let him or her cast the first Stone. Pretty obviously she was a sinner. But you know, those people around, the, the woman, it wasn't so obvious. And, and here is perhaps where the Word of God touches us. What about our lives? Maybe, maybe our need to change isn't so obvious either. I mean, I wear nice religious clothes. We have this beautiful church, you know raised in a religious home, go to church, went to Sunday school, made our confirmations, got married, had children, had them baptized, were honest, hard-working, God-fearing folk, right? And we know the liturgical lingo. Hey, we're not so bad. We're pretty good. Yes, sir. I'll go right away. Whatever you tell me to do. 
but do we? There's the question. If we strip back the covers of our lives, gosh, you know, you know the hardest person to ever make a confession to is yourself. Yourself. Because maybe inside of our lives we have some other pressing priorities. I mean, Jesus is the picture hung on the wall, affectionately looked at, but not the Lord who guides every decision we make. And the Bible, it's the Word of God. Yeah, but it's kept under the nightstand. It isn't a light to guide our path. And prayer well, you know, our prayer life really becomes fervent when all the chips are down. And we're wondering about that phone call or waiting for that test. You get the drift of what I'm saying. Our life just kind of goes on as normal, and we do our religious things, and kind of are just good people until something in our life is interrupted or someone interrupts our life. And in this powerful yet short little story of the tale of two sons, that's what Jesus is doing right now. He's confronting us, you and me. He's interrupting our life. He's messing with us. So, who are you? Are you uh, the one who said no? But then it became a yes. Or are you the one that said yes? When really, it was a no. As I said, talk is cheap. And we've heard it so many times, we get numb to it. But actions speak louder than words. Good intentions, and I'll say this to parents and to grandparents, good intentions don't change lives or raise virtuous and faithful children and grandchildren. Remember what Pastor Finke said? It's not what you know that will change the world, but what you do with what you know that will change the world. Do you realize that only a changed life can change lives? The father had two sons. One changed, and the other didn't. Who did the will of the Father, said Jesus? Well, it was the one whose life actually was changed. And in religious parlance, that's called repentance. 
And repentance isn't always just changing from something, which is, you know, gosh, I feel bad about what I did or what I didn't do. But repentance is also changing towards something. Wanting to make a difference. That's the will of the Heavenly Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, not my will, but thine be done. And He teaches us to pray that in the prayer that He taught. And thank God that He prayed that prayer and did it. Jesus fulfilled the will of the Heavenly Father, who loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son so that He could actually find us right here, right now, so we who so often, and we don't even realize it at times, say no, can change. And we can join Jesus in His mission, in changing the lives within our families and loved ones, our friends, in our work, and in a world that is desperately divided and full of so much hate. What Jesus is teaching us is that in Him, a no can become a yes when we're honest with Him. When we honestly hear His invitation to pray, Thy will be done in me, Lord. Let me do Your will. I'll leave you with this short little story that I heard years ago. A man named Sir Leonard Wood once visited the king of France, and the king was so impressed with him that Sir Leonard received an invitation to a banquet on the following day. When Sir Leonard entered the palace the following day, the king met him in the hall and said, why, Sir Leonard, I didn't expect to see you today. How is it that you're here? Did not your majesty invite me to dine with you today? Said the astonished guest. Yes, replied the king. But you didn't answer my invitation. It was then that Sir Leonard replied in one of the most memorable sentences that he ever wrote in his life, ever said. A king's invitation is never to be answered. It is to be obeyed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.